What's up, Dolphins fans? This is Kyle Krabs. And on today's episode of Locked on Dolphins, we are going to be breaking through the final set of observations courtesy of the All-22 of Miami's Week 4 loss to the Indianapolis Colts and trying to explore the question of who is most at fault amidst the major players in Miami's grand offensive chemistry experiment, plus our first set of of evaluations for players to identify as keystones of the franchise moving forward. You are Locked On Dolphins, your daily Miami Dolphins podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. What is up, Dolphins fans, and welcome to another episode of Locked On Dolphins. I am your host, Kyle Krabs, director of scouting at the draftnetwork.com, lifelong Miami Dolphins fan, and ready to dig into a lot of observations from the coaches tape that, that we were able to piece together uh, throughout the course of last night. And as we do, uh, I, I do want to kind of stress this as my first observation there is a lot of issues with Miami offensively I am going to hammer Jacoby Brissett on today's episode of the show for for missed opportunities and lack of execution and for doing things that I I have no idea what the process is that leads him to the decisions that he's making with the football but at the same time, we're also running into eight-man boxes with seven-man blocking surfaces. We have numerous occasions of two receivers running the exact same route to the same side of the field from a narrow split. We have numerous occasions of two or more receivers having their routes converge to within a five-square-yard squ uh, area, 15 yards downfield on long down-and-distance opportunities. And this is not, you know, we're, we're running a deep scissors or cross. This is, we're both running in-breaking patterns, and we are 15 plus yards downfield and we are equally separated by five square yards. So you could cover both of us with one player. I have no idea if this is play design. I have no idea if this is assignments and guys running the wrong routes. Listening to Brian Flores this week, it would seem to have you indicate that he believes uh, a lot of this is execution and assignment-based, but that is still an equal damnation of the coaching of this football team right now. You don't know your assignments. That's on the coaches. But the biggest observation that I had in week four, aside of the fact that everything offensively is a mess for this football team, is that I have no idea what Jacoby Brissett's pre-snap to post-snap process is. Uh, I charted 15 across Miami's 
offensive possessions on Sunday against the Colts. I charted 15 routine reads, very basic elementary plays to be made on the field in which, in my opinion, were just simply blown reads or just completely flubbed throws, including the, the fifth possession, uh, in, which was in the first half, which he had consecutive misfires to his right on second and five and third and five to Devontae Parker and Will Fuller. Uh, the Will Fuller one, I believe, was the one that he tried to go down and dig out and got hurt on. Uh, just very little consistency with accuracy. We're missing man-to-man coverage slant flat with our eyes to that side of the field. Or you can throw Will Fuller into a about a 40-square-yard area with one defender in it, and there's his defender's got three yards of separation. And you're running slant flat on two over two man to man. Staring right at. Him. Doesn't throw the ball. Uh, and the first half needlessly takes a sack in the two minute offense with Mike Kosecki in the check down. Uh, with nobody within 20 yards of him. First half, first possession of the second half. Missed Jalen Waddle on a routine pitch and catch. Speed flat on first and 10 by three yards. Sailed this thing short and to the right. Three yards. Uh, never mind the extended play fumble uh, that he had instead of throwing the ball away after he broke the grasp for the first and the second time. Uh, they had a third down on the opening possession of the game, which they ran a designed flat uh, from Durham Smythe, who had leverage on a third and short, and he did not throw him the ball. They had a free play for a legal substitution on the second possession after the muffed punt. A free play, 12 men on the field for the Colts, and he checked the ball down. He threw a check down on a free play. Proceeded to drop the snap on second down, Snap was a little wide, sure. We've all seen the missed throw to Jalen Waddle uh, on the spear, what appeared to be spear concept with the, the deep skinny post, the deep over route at 18 to 20 yards, and then the flat underneath. Uh, people tried to make the argument that that corner was sinking and could take that away. Any NFL quarterback worth his salt is going to find that early because if you're reading top to bottom, which is the read execution on that specific concept, Devontae Parker's running vertical, and he's capped by about 10 yards. So people pointed to, oh, he's got space. That's a vertical throw, right? So the safety is 10 yards over top of that. That's capped. But if that's your first read, get the hell off it and move on because you can find Waddle on the cross very early, expedite that process, stick the back foot in the ground, and rip that throw on a rope so you're not laying it out over the top for that corner to sink underneath of it. It's not hard. They had a cat blitz. They had a cat blitz where they blitzed. They 
to the side Jacoby was starting. And they had kind of like a, a condensed stack, you know, had both receivers run their stem on the same set of rails. Waddle in breaking route. Has about five yards of separation. Jacoby Brissett with a corner blitz coming from that side of the field. How do you beat the blitz? Don't they say routinely just replace the blitzer with the ball? Waddle worked into this real estate. Could have ran for miles. Could have ran for miles. He's staring at it. And he worked off of it. He chose to go to the other side of the field. I have no explanation for what you're seeing or what your process looks like. He stared into the the blitz, passed on an open window, and worked his progression back. Away from that. This was so, so bad of a performance of offensive quarterback play. So when I hear Brian Flores talk about execution, seeing this for myself, it's an eye-opener. And Miami's great chemistry experiment with the offense if they believe the root cause of the struggles right now is Jacoby Brissett, then okay. I'm willing to let this thing ride. But as I said yesterday, there have to be ramifications. There has to be action. You can't roll into Tampa Bay and just do this over again. Which brings me to... Uh, the comment from Coach Flores that I am interested in, uh, and it was when he was asked after the game, did you give any consideration to playing Reed Sinnott at quarterback? His answer was one word, no. I have a one-word question for coach in that regard why why not it literally cannot be any worse than what Jacoby Brissett put on the field on Sunday against the Colts can't be refuse to believe it can be unless Reed doesn't know the playbook but Reed's been here longer than Jacoby has. And if your whole selling point was to, to maintain continuity with your staff, I have a hard time buying that, that Reed you know, is completely incompetent with the offense. So if you're not going to make any changes to your process offensively, because you like the process, okay, then I would at least kindly consider you light a fire under Jacoby Brissett's ass because he's on a one-year contract. It's the backup quarterback who's been pressed into starting action, and I understand that's the injury to the starting quarterback's not ideal for anybody. And if you're going to sell this as this is an execution issue, the guy in the command center right now, your offense on the field, doesn't know what the buttons do. 
and that's a problem. Listen up, Dolphins fans. If you drive a lot, if you drive a little, we have an incredible app for everyone who buys gas, needs to know about. Let's get upside. Listeners of this show are making 25 cents for every gallon of gas every time they fill up. Just download the free Get Upside app in the App Store or Google Play right now. Use promo code TOUCHDOWN and get a bonus 25 cents per gallon on your first fill up. That's up to 50 cents cash back. Don't pay full price at the pump. Get cash back using Get Upside. Just download the app for free and use promo code TOUCHDOWN to get up to 50 cents per gallon cash back on your first tank. People who drive a lot are making as much as two to $300 a month in cash back, and there's no catch. The cash gets added right in your account. You could transfer at any time to your bank account, PayPal, or an e-gift card such as Amazon or other brands. Just download for free the Get Upside app and use promo code TOUCHDOWN. So that was the first observation I had uh, for the Dolphins offensively. The, the next evaluation point, because that's a buzzword this week on the show, because it's the only way I'm keeping myself sane. The next evaluation point for Miami here this offense is different than the one we saw the team run against New England. This offense, from a structure perspective, from a play-calling perspective, they have cut down on the RPOs. So this is the offense, however, that I need to see Tua Tungvaloa run upon his return to evaluate him as an NFL quarterback. Because I thought the offensive line against Indianapolis thought they did a pretty good job. And it's not as though you could say, well, the RPO was just a game plan specific thing against the Colts, or or excuse me, against the Patriots in week one, because they came out in week two and all they did was RPOs, including when Jacoby Brissett was in the game, because that's what the game plan called for, right? So it's not like as soon as Tua went out, they just stopped calling RPOs. Their game plan for games in which Tua was expected to play the entire game in New England and Buffalo were extremely RPO heavy. The last two weeks, we've seen them transition away from this, and I saw very little of RPO action uh, against the Colts. This is the offense, however. I want to see Tua Tungvaloa running upon his return to evaluate him as an NFL quarterback. Because if you're just going to RPO like you did against New England and you did against Buffalo, a lot of those blocking surface and consistency and integrity of protection issues, they're going to rear their, their heads again. And as we saw, if you blitz that, you don't have checks and then things at the line of scrimmage to protect yourself, uh, you're in for a world of hurt as a quarterback and uh, that might not have been the situation in which Tua Tungvaloa was sacked and by AJ Epines and broke his ribs. That came courtesy of Jesse Davis at right tackle, but you saw what that pressure looked like when Buffalo decided to come and get you. So this consider this my plea 
to Miami against Jacksonville, presuming Tua Tungvaloa is indeed returning from his rib injury and able to play in week six. Don't go back to exclusively the RPO offense because, yes, there were box count and running into loaded box issues against the Colts. Yes, I think some of your spacing stuff for your routes is dumb. And yes, you need everybody to get on the same page and run the right routes. Period. It's a lot of missed assignments for a disciplined football team in week four. A so-called disciplined football team in week four. But at the end of the day, I did like some of the stuff that, that was left on the field. So I can get behind a little bit what Brian Flores is saying. I, I think he's doing himself and the team a disservice uh, to if he's not going to consider all options at all positions, including the quarterback position. But um, I want to see Tua at the helm of what they did on Sunday against the Colts. And if he comes out, and he hits these 15, what I would consider to be generally routine, especially for a sixth-year vet, plays, basic pitch and catches, you know, routine missed throws. Looking at open receivers and preempting them to, to work past them in the progression with no rhyme or reason as to what you saw or why you chose to do it. Not having the eyes in the right spot at the snap. All of these things. If Tua can eliminate those, we might not be doomed for an all-time futile season offensively. And if he can elevate that to the point where this team goes on a run and gets hot, well, then I think from an evaluation perspective, Tua Tungvaloa can really help himself. But our expectations, like, don't have those expectations for yourself, right? Anything that they get from us as fans of the team at this point, they need to show it first. Like there's very little hope to cling to right now. And I would hate to, to have somebody get false expectations for Miami's offense uh, based off an assessment that Jacoby Brissett left a lot of routine plays on the field, uh, hear that and think two is going to come back and everything's going to be okay. And they're still going to go 11 and six. Built Bar is a protein bar that tastes like candy bar. These things are absolutely delicious. There is no missed expectations or disappointment to be found with a box of Built Bar. High in protein, high in fiber, low in calories, low in sugar, and they have 100% chocolate on all their bars. Nine different, nine different delicious flavors to choose from. They have something for everybody. So whether you're looking for something to grab and go, keto-friendly snack, post-workout meal, you name it, Bill Bar can be it. Right now, you can visit BillBar.com, use promo code LOCKED15, and save 15% off your next order. We are back and better than ever with all eyes on the gridiron as teams are back for yet another football season. And as always, BetOnline is your number one spot for all the pro and college action this season. With a new updated site and interface with even more odds, props, and contests, BetOnline continues to be the number one source for everything 
football. Head to the website or use your mobile device to sign up and receive a 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. And don't forget to use promo code locked on to receive your bonus. From football, basketball, boxing, right to your favorite Vegas casino games. Don't wait to take advantage of all the amazing offers available for the 2021 season. Bet online where the game starts. A couple other evaluation uh, tidbits that I had uh, from week four of the 2021 season, Miami's uh, fourth contest of the year. Christian Wilkins, man. It's time to put all of the underachiever criticisms of Christian Wilkins to bed. Uh, He continues to play at a very high level in both phases of the game. Uh, His sack production obviously is uh, still a work in progress. Um, But you watch him against the run. You watch him win at the point of attack. You watch him get in pursuit. Christian Wilkins is doing a lot of really nice things for the Miami Dolphins. Um, Thought the pad level's been better. So this is a guy who was drafted 13th overall in 2019. Year three appears to be the year for him. Uh, where he has really become a consistent player. Uh, I know pro football focus, say what you will about their premium stats, how much you subscribe, don't subscribe to their grading process. Uh, The eyeball test matches their grades in this case. Uh, He is grading extremely well. Jalen Phillips. Obviously, we talked about the six pressures. I don't know if you guys knew this or not, uh, Jalen Phillips amongst NFL rookies has the second highest pressure rate this season for NFL rookies in pass rush snaps. Uh, almost 20% of his pass rush snaps have resulted in pressures. It's a little weird. I seem to recall he was a bust three weeks ago, but <laughs> I digress. Jalen Phillips turning the corner figuratively and literally. Looking very good for the Miami Dolphins up front. Um, I'm a little concerned with Andrew Van Ginkle. Uh, thought Andrew Van Ginkle, you know, going all the way back to week one against New England, they had him in a lot of zone drops underneath. And uh, he was the one who got tagged on the touchdown for New England with a zone drop and, and kind of didn't feel the route in his area. Well, you know, he's, he's back out there in some zone stuff underneath again against the Colts and uh, missed one tackle underneath. Um, he feels a little bit like there's like he's a grass dropper. And then typically when you hear that phrase grass dropper, uh, he's dropping to an area, but he's not shading accordingly to uh, who's in actually in and threatening his area. So Andrew Van Ginkle is one. I got my eye on a little bit, uh, kind of curious to see how he, develops and progresses uh, to this point in time. Nick Needham, uh, dude, you ate your Wheaties all offseason. I formally owe you another apology. I know I apologized uh, back in the summertime or in training camp uh, because Nick Needham was somebody that I had targeted for Miami 
early in the off season in, in the winter time that was an upgradable opportunity. Well, either he read the tweets and, and heard the podcast or uh, he, he got the notice one way or another because he's playing at a very high level. Tackling, coverage, Nick Neenham is earning a long-term role as not just a roster player, but a contributor to this team. Thought he played very, very well. Continue to be encouraged by Javon Holland. I don't know how he played less than 20 snaps. Uh, showed some really good range on a couple of instances in which he had to, to kind of flow over the top. Uh, so there's some individual performances that I'm, I'm pretty encouraged by uh, for Miami. Um, offensively, I'm kind of, I've seen enough of Austin Jackson and I know I've said this before, but the big chunk play to, to Will Fuller, which was on the first play or the first possession gets called back because a legal hands to the face. And there's just no rhyme or reason to where he put his hands. Uh, his punch timing is all over the place. And for the people that want to kick him inside the guard, that's the big concern is getting your hands clean and having strike timing. That's actually going to deter upfield push. Right. And I'm watching his punch and his left hand is, has completely missed the body and the right hand ends up on the face mask. <laughs> and, uh, that's, that's not going to cut it. That's never going to cut it in any instance ever. So Liam Eikenberg, um, you know, he was very diplomatic uh, and he was asked, it was either after the game or on Monday uh, about playing left tackle versus right tackle and whatnot. And, and he said, Austin Jackson's a better left tackle uh, than, than I would be uh, to which I call bullshit. I refuse to believe it. I understand why Liam's not going to get into that. Um, it, he's going to be respectful of his teammates. Right. But you know, Liam is getting tagged for a decent amount of pressure. Uh, he's not scoring well from a pass blocking standpoint. Uh, but I'm, I refuse to, to mash him too hard for it because he's taken 164 snaps uh, at right tackle. And you can tell uh, his technique and his timing is not what it was last year at Notre Dame when he was playing on the left side. Uh, so Liam Eikenberg has been charged with more sacks on the offensive line um, than any player, any other player thus far for the Dolphins. Um, but I'm not, I'm not attributing that to him. And, and say what you will about Liam. Uh, he's tied for third on the team in most pressures allowed. Uh, the top honor goes to Austin Jackson, uh, who has three penalties and 20 pressures allowed in three games, three games, three games, 20 pressures allowed. And number two uh, is Jesse Davis with 13 pressures allowed and one season altering hit. So they continue to be public enemy number one and number two for me, as far as I'm concerned for play on the offensive line, Liam gets a little bit of, of leniency for me at this point because he is a rookie and also because he's playing out of position. 
hope you guys enjoyed. Uh, obviously, a lot of this is, is kind of reaffirming uh, some things that we thought. But uh, I, I thought defensively, uh, getting some love to some players who have earned it to this point, to be honest, for their individual contributions uh, was needed. And kind of just formalizing and verbalizing some of the actual individual plays of concern for Austin Jackson, I thought was, was kind of a good place to go as well. Uh, one quick thought. Cowboys are releasing Jalen Smith after attempting to trade him since the preseason. Uh, Apparently Miami was interested in kicking those tires Uh, that obviously did not materialize. He's got a pretty significant cap um, or had a pretty significant cap commitment. Dallas still owes him $7.2 million this year against the cap. Um, He will be released today. It sounds like which means uh, he'll have to clear waivers by Thursday afternoon after four o'clock. If Miami is interested, that would be the instance in which I would advocate they try to get something done. Uh, I would not mind kicking the tires here. I don't think this is a slam dunk. I do not think Jalen Smith, he's a pretty limited player. Uh, He gives you a lot of the same stuff that you get from Elan and Roberts. Uh, he's longer. He's more explosive than Elan is, uh, but he's that kind of player. And I certainly would not classify him as a three down player for the Dolphins. So something to watch. We'll see if they, they choose to pursue that or not. Uh, but we have crossover Thursday. Going to try to link back up with my good buddy, Joe Rose and catch up with Joe Rose and see how he's doing. So lots to look forward to yet this week. Make sure you hit subscribe on the podcast feed and check it out. I'm Kyle Krabs. Thanks, as always, for listening to Locked on Dolphins. Thankful for each and every one of you. Thankful for you making Locked on Dolphins your first listen of the day. Fins up and keep it locked in right here on Locked on Dolphins.